Well, like, like, like Troy said, um, we are in a new series starting today called Fresh Word. And what, what we're going to be doing for at least the month of October, maybe a little bit further, um, is every week, whoever is speaking that Sunday is just going to give a fresh word. There's not going to be a certain tie-in that we're doing, like we're not doing a certain book of the Bible or whatever. It's just going to be a fresh word that whoever is speaking that Sunday is just going to give. A word to encourage, comfort, and give hope to all who have ears to hear. Um, for those who've been walking with Jesus for like a week to 100,000 weeks, however many years that is, our hope is that every Sunday we would just come, be able to hear a fresh word, receive, and to have that encouragement, comfort, and that, that truth that we need to sustain ourselves in this current climate, because it's, it's kind of crazy out there. I mean, every day, every, every week, there's just different things happening. And so I, I believe that as, as humans, we, we, we need that. We need that, that, just that reminder of, of who the Lord is and a fresh word from his word to help encourage us as well. So um, this morning, I have the honor to, to start this series off. And we're going to read a narrative of an of a individual who is one of the more prolific people of God that we have read about in the Old Testament. I'm going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18 and 19, but this, but this person, it is, it is Elijah. He is a prophet. He performed miracles that literally defied the laws of nature and science, which is a definition of a miracle. That's kind of a joke right there, but anyway. Um, but he, he literally called down fire. He let us stand for God that has been forever enshrined in the ancient history, but also people remember it in the present day of what he did at Mount Carmel. But then in a snap of a finger, Elijah just gives it all away. He crumbles, is overtaken by fear, depression, anxiety, excuses that led him to a place where he actually says, I'm just done with my life. Like, Lord, just take my life. I am done. I am through. What we're going to see is from the big picture view, you're like, man, Elijah, how could you do that? Like, don't you know, like, how much God's been working in your life? And it's, like, easy to be the armchair quarterback, right? Like, man, like, because we, we can see the big picture. But I think the thing that we need to start to realize is we, too, are like Elijah. Elijah's human. Yeah, God was using him in mighty ways, but he's still human. We are human as well. And how often have we maybe fallen into this same pattern and rhythm of, of, of life, and maybe even more so in the last 18 to 20 months, where we've had significant moments in our life of God intervening, God doing faith miracles, but then just like that, we're like, nah, like God's not working. God's out of the picture. It's not happening. And we kind of flip our persona and the truth of where God is. So know this, if you're feeling like that this morning, if you're feeling like you're just done, that you are tapped out, you're not alone, you're in good company because you're human. <laughs> you're just a normal human. If you are in a season of victory and you're kind of riding high, then take this time to be reminded and prepped for when that dry season may come. Because life always has a way of hitting us in times when we least expect it. So if you are in a season of, of flourishing, be reminded of the truth of what God is doing through his miraculous works. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord God, thank you so much again that we can, that we can gather here. 
to praise your name. And like Karen was saying earlier and how she led us, that we can have joy. There's joy in the house of the Lord because of what you have done. That we, that we were beggars, that we were, that we were enslaved, but we are free because of what you have done, Jesus. And so we, we sing our praise from that position and that truth. So Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning. Let it be your words and not mine. And as we, as we just take the truth of your word, uh, let it sink deep so we can get that fresh word for how whatever is going on in all of our lives, that Holy Spirit, you would speak to each individual how it needs to be spoken for that fresh word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are in 1 Kings chapter 18 and then into 19. And a little kind of heads up, we're gonna read a lot of scripture I thought about paraphrasing like the story, but as I was reading it a couple times, I'm like, it's just so good. Like how it's just written. I'm just gonna just read it as it is. So it'll be like story time with Pastor Cooper a little bit this morning, but it'll be good. So <clears throat> as you're getting to that section, I wanna give a little bit of context of where we're at kind of in the timeline of history. Um, we are post David and Goliath, kind of that's where we're at right now in the Old Testament. Israel, which is God's chosen people, have kind of gone through some different kings, and they're just slowly slipping further and further away from God. They were once a God-fearing nation, right? That's like what they were all about. They were, they were secure in that. They started turning to all of the idols and the different religions of the culture around them, and they basically started substituting all those things for the actual God. And during this time, Elijah, the prophet, he's the only prophet in the entire nation. And he's a part of a very, very small minority of God-fearing Jews. And he's actually spoken a few times against like the kings, as King Ahab. He said like, yo, like this is not okay. He's kind of given some, some pushback. And there's been hits out on him already. People are like looking for him and want to kill him because he's, he's standing for truth, but it's not what the king wants. And the king's like, no, like if you go against me, like you're dead. And so he kind of has been like wandering a little bit, but he gets some courage up. He's like, I'm going to go talk to Ahab. And then in this process, what we're going to read about is there's this massive kind of, um, I, would, I would say a God-off. <laughs> they just kind of like do a God-off of like, who has the biggest, best God? And there's a massive miracle that happens there. So let's go to 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to start in verse 16. I'm going to read right through verse 40. I might stop every once in a while in there. And I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. So Obadiah, he's actually one of the few like strong Jews. He's like, I love God. Um, went to tell Ahab that Elijah had come. And Ahab went out to meet Elijah. That's the king, Ahab. When Ahab saw him, he exclaimed, So is it really you, you troublemaker of Israel? Verse 18, I have no trouble for Israel, Elijah replied. You and your family are the troublemakers, for you have refused to obey the commands of the Lord and have worshipped the images of Baal instead. Now summon all Israel to join me at Mount Carmel, along with 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 of prophets of Asherah who are supported by Jezebel. Jezebel is Ahab's wife. She's kind of crazy. Let's just put that there. Um, we'll see that a little bit later. Verse 20. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, How much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, 
then follow him. But the people were completely silent. So what, he, what, what he's speaking to now is a group of people who don't know where they stand at all in their faith. They are completely confused. They don't know what to do or how to actually move forward. And what's happened is there's one prophet, Elijah of God, and if you do the math, 850 prophets of the other gods, that's a pretty big like teeter-totter difference there, right? So the culture is heavily weighted on the other side. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only prophet of the Lord who is left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Now bring two bulls. The prophets of Baal may choose whichever one they wish and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood of their altar, but without setting fire to it. I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood uh, on the altar, but not set fire to it. Then call in the name of your God, and I will call the name of the Lord. The God who answers by setting fire the wood is the true God. And all the people agreed. Then Eliza said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, for there are many of you. Choose one of the bulls and prepare it and call in the name of your God, but do not set fire to the wood. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. And they called the name of Baal from morning until noontime, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind. Then they danced. I'm curious, like, what that looked like, by the way. Whenever I read stuff like that, I'm like, what did they do? Um, hobbling around the altar they had made. About noontime, Elijah began mocking them. You'll have to shout louder, he scoffed. For surely he is a god. Perhaps he is daydreaming or is relieving himself. Or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened. So they shouted louder and following their normal custom, they cut themselves with knives and swords until, they, until the blood gushed out. They raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice, but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. So far we're kind of seeing... A pattern, right? Baal's not real. Stuff's not happening. Verse 30. And Elijah called to the people, Come over here. They all crowded around him as he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down. He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood in the altar, cut the bowl into pieces, and laid the pieces on the wood. And he said, fill four large jars with water and pour the water over the offering and the wood. After they had done this, he said, now do the same thing again. When they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. At the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all, at, all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately, the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. When all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. 
verse 40, which is crazy. Then Elijah commanded, seize all the prophets of Baal. Don't let the single one escape. So the people seized them all, and Elijah took them down to the Kishon Valley and killed them there. Pretty intense right there. And sometimes we read those verses and we go, wait, what? Like, what about a second chance? No, they've had multiple chances, more than just second, third, or fourth. They've had multiple. And he's like, we got to end this right now because it's leading the nation completely away. So what we see here, though, is a massive miracle of God, a massive moment that occurred that Elijah was a part of, and there was many witnesses there to all see, right? This whole altar, everything, boom, burned up. All the water, everything just burned up by the fire of God. Elijah has got to be riding high, right? If you were part of that, like, scene, you've got to be just stoked, like, yes, God! I mean, I get stoked when I have to do, like, two hardware trips for a home project. I'm like, yes, two trips is all it took. Yes, no leaks. Like, that right there is amazing, right? Like, he's got to be riding high. But then, literally, the next moment, the next moment of his life, there is a complete flip of where he is at. So let's go to verse Kings 19, verses 1 through 4. When Ahab, this is the king, got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Which, by the way, oh, by the way that's like, honey, how was your day at work? Let me tell you what happened. <laughs> Including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. So Jezebel has given a death threat to Elijah. Elijah, who had just had this massive miracle happen, has a death threat from the king's wife. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, which is like one of the most southern towns away from where he currently was as fast as he could. Then he went alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. What we see is, again, a quick flip from what we had just seen Elijah be a part of. Elijah, like the conqueror, Elijah is like fire guy, right? Like he's a part of this amazing thing, goes to Elijah wanting to die. He says, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. He's saying like, I'm tapped out, I'm done. We continue on a little bit more in verse five. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around there beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down. And the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more for the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. What we see happening, though, in the middle of Elijah just crumbling, 
in the middle of him just saying, I am done, I am tapped out, God is still providing. God's providence is still there. There is still evidence of God doing what he does, and that is protect, care for, and give exactly what he needs. He, pro- he provided physical needs with the, the food and the water. So God's like, all right, you're feeling kind of like poop. You probably haven't eaten in a, while, in a while. Let's get some food in your belly so you feel a little bit better, get some calories. And then he also encourages him, like, let's go forward. There's going to be a long journey ahead, 40 days and 40 nights. So God doesn't actually fix him up right there in that first moment where he provides the, the water and the, and the bread and all that stuff. He just kind of gives him like another kind of just nourishment so he can continue on. He wasn't right there that he was fixed. And sometimes the waiting period of kind of waiting for God to completely transform and intervene is just time for us to prep our hearts for that that transformation. What's also significant, if we look and kind of remember in the Old Testament, even New Testament, 40 days and 40 nights, pretty common number. Moses was on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights waiting for God to speak. Jesus in the desert, he went out for 40 days, 40 nights waiting for that encounter, the, the temptation of the devil. Seems like there's always this pattern that when, when, when God is doing something, he kind of wants you to maybe go through a process. So if you're in a waiting period right now, humble your heart and quiet your soul. There's probably something that God wants to reveal. And I feel like this is something just quickly from this little narrative that we can be reminded of is we might be in a holding pattern right now. You're like, yeah, it's been like five years, Coop. All right. Let's quiet our soul, humble our heart, and be ready for God to speak. This is what we see happen. It's been 40 days, 40 nights. So I'm going to read again from verse 8 into verse 10. So Elijah, again, he got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel the 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to that cave, and he spent the night. The Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you. Now there's something significant about this. He starts off with, I. I have done my job, but the people, they're worthless. Is his heart ready? Is his heart humble? Maybe not quite yet. They've torn down your altars altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then what happens is God approaches Elijah in this cave, and there's a mighty wind that occurs. God wasn't in the wind. There's a bunch of other big weather events and fire, and God's not there. But then the Hebrew calls it a brief sound of silence. This might say a gentle whisper, or your your Bible might say a still, small voice. God speaks. And he again asks the question, what are you doing here, Elijah? And this phrasing, this way of questioning, is used a lot by God, 
even hearkening back to Genesis chapter 3 in the garden after Adam and Eve's sin, they freak out, they try to make clothes for themselves, they hide in the garden. God's walking through, he already knows what's happening, and God just says, hey, where are you guys at? Why are you, why are you dressed like that? Like, God's not coming down and just shame, 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 like, Elijah, how dare you, man? Like, step it up, like, you're better than this. He just says, what are you doing here? Like, you're as far away as possible from where, like, Israel is at. Like, what are you doing here, man? See, God knows all, but again, instead of shaming the individual into a position of change, he's calling Elijah back up to a position that's rooted in God. Again, Elijah answers him the same way. Like, I've done this, I've done that. The people are just horrible. Like, it's, it's, it's done for. But then what God does is he essentially says, stop believing the lies, Elijah. Stop believing the lies in your head. I've got this. I'm God. I'm control. And I will use you to reinstate a movement back to me. God tells Elijah there's a remnant of people, about 7,000 in Israel, that are ready to rock and roll for God. So go back and let's do this thing. Elijah thought it was all done for. He was, the whole world was at an end. He's like, I'm, I'm done. But God reminds him, I've got this. I've done great things. I've done miracles. We're gonna move forward again and I'm gonna do this because I have a miracle in store for you. Now what's, what's interesting too is this conversation occurs in relationship with God and Elijah. It's a call up to truth, which sometimes can be very difficult and not exactly what we want to hear because we have, we have emotions, right? We want people to be like, no, hear my emotions. Like, that's, ah! And I think God heard his emotion, but he also says there's a different story here. And it's that I'm in, I'm in charge. Like, I have this. Like, don't you remember, Elijah, just a, like a few while, a few days ago, like I did the whole fire thing on the altar? Like, I got this. So here's where I want to just spend a few moments um, to hopefully give some fresh words for us this morning. And I'm actually going to um, ask Karen to come up in a little bit just to um, play, because we're going to have some time to respond as well through music. But the first thing I want us to kind of respond with is this, don't forget what God has done. It seems like just kind of the, the billboard basic point, but sometimes the billboard basic point is exactly what we need to be reminded of. Don't forget what God has done. There are too many miracles and too many moments in all of our lives that we just forget about. We saw this with Elijah. It was instant, right? He was, had this massive miracle there on the altar fire, everything. And then like the next day, Jezebel gives her threat and he's like, ah, I'm done. Ah, and he runs away. He goes as far south as he can. He forgot about that God's actually pretty powerful. And all of the gods of Baal and Asherah, they're not. They didn't even show up to the party, right? So let's not forget what God has done because we too have God's spirit working we too can experience the living God. God has written a story of hope and restoration and healing that has been a miracle in all of our lives. And there is that miracle working power in your life. And don't forget it. 
I love, I love when my phone in the, in, the, in the picture app randomly just says like, hey, this memory from five years ago or six years ago or one year ago, whatever it is. Like, oh yeah. Like I remember that moment, that time. And it brings back that flood of memories of like, man, that was a fun birthday party or this trip or this family time. I think we need to do some times in our own spiritual lives of some throwbacks, of just taking some time to just sit and say, man, what has God done? When we are in a place of despair or maybe on the road to it, the first thing we need to do is just write down the moments that God has done a miracle in our lives. As soon as we're just in that, in that moment of like, man, it looks like there's no, there's no positive moving forward. There's nothing. Just literally just take a posture, just look back, say, man, what has God already done in my life or my family's life? That there was miracles that occurred. Write them down. We need to be reminded of the miracle-working God that is still working miracles and will continue to provide a miracle in all of our lives, regardless of the present circumstance. We're going to be thrown for loops, but know this, that our present reality does not change who God is, was, and will be. We even kind of sang that line in the House of the Lord song. Elijah forgot about who God was. Elijah forgot that God is a miracle-working God. Elijah forgot. We can say, Elijah, come on, dude. Like, you were at a really miraculous event. How could you forget? He's human, right? We're human. Our present reality can affect who we are, but it doesn't change who God is. We see that with the story of Elijah. I don't think, again, it's much of a stretch to say that we have experienced this at different times in our life. Maybe even right now. Now here's something I also find fascinating in this story of Elijah, is that when Jezebel threatens his life, she does so from a place of distance. When God ministers to Elijah, he does so from a place of relationship and intimacy. I think like, Troy was talking about youth students and their identity. I don't know why it's hitting me so hard right now, but it is. The enemy just shoots or shouts lies from a distance that have no grounding. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what lies are being shouted at you. But there's, there's no grounding to them. There just isn't. They're from a distant place. What we see with Elijah is God comes to him in relationship, in intimacy, and he whispers. He doesn't shout. He whispers truth into Elijah's life. The enemy does not know you like God knows you. The enemy may know of you, but he doesn't know your heart like God does. The enemy will always be loud, but God's whisper of truth will be astronomically louder. So what truth is God speaking to you right now? 
that the obnoxious loud enemy is just trying to drown out. We might need to take some moments to just quiet the noise in our life, to humble our hearts, to quiet our soul, to hear that true, that true word from the Lord. At CFC, um, we haven't done it in a while, but we've, we had this relationship uh, environment called Rooted. It's a 10-week experience where you do different things. It's all experiential. And there's a week called Strongholds. And you just pray through some strongholds that are going on in your life. And strongholds are things that are keeping you from living a full life in Christ. Might be past sins or just uh, misperceptions about who God is. But at the end of that prayer time, we give out these cards that are like, I am this, kind of like what we're doing in youth group. Reminders of who we are in Christ. I want, I want to put a few of these up. and They have some scripture references to them. But it's just simple phrases that we need to be reminded of, that, that God whispers to us constantly through his word that we just might need to take some time just to reacquaint ourselves with in these truths. The enemy, it's all around you can t turn on any TV station, your cell phone, whatever it is. It's loud, right? Like, you're not good enough. You're not this. You're not that. And how dare you? How dare you? It's from a distance. Those people who make that stuff, they don't know you. God knows you. God's pleased with how he made us. We're God's master's piece. We are a child of God. We're an heir. We're a son of God. We call Christ our brother. Spirit of God dwells in us. That's huge. I've been redeemed through God's grace. These are truths that we need to continually stand in and stand on. These are the fresh words that help us carry forward in whatever is happening. I believe God's point of view is, is greater. <laughs> right? We have to realize that God's view of us is greater than what the world's view is or the enemy. We have God's spirit and God's power within us. He has already worked miracles in our life. If we, if we claim Jesus, that's a miracle right there. Like we've been redeemed. That's a miracle of the heart. God does miracles. I don't know where everyone is right now, but, but I know that we can all use this reminder. Again, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while, if you're in a good season, bad season, like we just need those reminders, those fresh words. So what's gonna happen is, uh, I'm gonna put up a couple of questions um, for us to think through. And Karen's just gonna play just for a, for a few moments of, of, of a song. And I want us to just look at these questions, reflect on them, answer them in our own heart, in our own mind. And then I'm gonna come up and close this in a little bit.
God. We just come before you with a heart posture of remembrance, but also with a vision moving forward, knowing that you will continue to move, that you will continue to provide, that you will continue to heal and redeem and restore and save many areas of our lives, the lives of our family, the lives of our friends, of the world around us. Lord, we, we trust in that. Like it says in John 16, we're going to experience sorrow and pain and trials. We can take heart have overcome the world. You've already won. There's victory in your name. So Jesus, we just simply say thank you. We honor that, but Lord, we also cry out and say, intervene. Speak a fresh word into all of us this morning. something that struck me too um, there, were, there was a commentary that I was reading just in some study time with this and um, this is what the, this is what the, the author of, of the commentary said is he said Elijah had dismissed everyone's faith but his own and had failed to appreciate ways in which God was at work this is an attitude which often leads to a divisive arrogance and even fanaticism among God's people today. I think we have a great opportunity as a church to change the tide for Jesus. But it's got to come at a moment where we're not playing the blame game this person or that person. Like God is working in people's lives. The Holy Spirit is leading people in many different ways. We have to trust the Lord is working and trust that God is making miracles and is preparing our hearts what's to come. I want us to end again just in a time of prayer. If, if you're even just in, the, in this space, just, just raise your hand and say, you know what, I'm kind of going through a hard time. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I want, I want to pray for you guys. And, any, and even afterwards, if you want to pray some more, I'd love to pray with you up here. But let's just, let's just pray. And if you want to raise your hand again, just those of you who are saying, hey, I'm kind of going through a hard time, like, we're, we're, we are a family of God. Um, I would just say as, as a church family, let's just extend a hand towards those people. It's not like a magic thing of like power, power. It's just saying like, I am agreeing and I am praying for that person. And I, I want to just 
be with them, okay? So, so if you're in a, in a place right now of just struggle and going through some stuff, just raise your hand again. Yeah, we want to just pray for you. So that, as, as a church family, we want to just extend a hand towards them. Let's just go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, I pray for you to intervene in whatever situation it is, is occurring. Lord, you know their hearts. You know the circumstances. You know the context. God, I pray for your comfort, for your joy, for your love, for your strength, the things that your spirit provides for them, Lord. That they would continue to be firm in their foundation of you. Continue to be firm in the truth of your word and the truth of where they stand in relationship with you. How you view them, your point of view, not the world's. That they are confident and found in you, Lord. So Jesus, I pray for that. And for anybody at home watching or listening, that there would be even just a tangible feeling right now that you're ministering to them, Lord. That you will provide for their needs. That you will bring back those who are far from you in their life back to them. So God, we just claim that through your power. We claim that in your name. Amen. Well, I just have one final thing. Um, on your seat, there was a little bookmark um, with a fresh word Bible reading plan. For the month of October, we have um, five readings a week um, just to kind of go through during this time. So it's four weeks of it. And it's starting tomorrow. If you also need reminders, we have our little text reminders where you can text the word Bible to 43506. But if you look at the bookmark, it says the first two weeks, um, we're going to read how God spoke to his people and then how they responded. We're going to kind of do that. And then, then the last two weeks is more of like, now we've seen like God's people do that. How about we try it? So we're going to read some different areas of scripture and then we're going to respond to that as well, which we already pretty much do all the time in, in our Bible reading plan, but we're going to just do that in more of a structured way in this. So take this little guy if you want. We have it on our website. You can also do the text reminders as well. Uh, this will be kind of what we're doing as a church as a whole. If you don't do this plan, doesn't mean that you're not with us. Just, this is just an option if you want some structure um, just for your daily devotional time. So, all right. Well, with that, um, thank you so much for just being a part of today's service. And um, Jesus loves you. And we'll see you guys next week.